That just reminds me that... Hello I... and welcome to Double Issue. <laughs> you got saying? me. You got me. Hello and welcome to Double Issue. Daniel's doing the opening this week. <laughs> Welcome to Double Issue. That's double the opening. Hello, and welcome to follow-up month. Yeah, the last of follow-up month. This is the last vestigial bit of the season of follow-up. It's that unseasonably warm day in the middle of winter. (laughs) A lingering cold on a hot day. Actually was today. It was like 68 or something when I went out earlier. Oh, man. And Um, we just had an ice storm two days ago. Yeah. No. (laughs) We actually were like, I had to work off last Thursday because it was so much ice out. We were all bundled up just yesterday because of how much snow and ice was outside. And then today we had flowers blooming. Yeah, so perfect time for that little bit of follow-up we have to (laughs) do. But yeah, this is the show where we're making a fiction universe. And then we're writing stories and asking questions about that universe. And this is the, the first episode of the year. Oh, man. What a weird one to open on. (laughs) Should have planned that better, huh? (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. First of the year, sequels. This is a sequel to our sequels episode. Yeah, oh, because we did a sequels episode, but they were both my story, so we decided to do sequels to your story. And is it the last three stories I've written, or have all been Tabula Rasa? (laughs) Oh, yeah, because you chose to use that prompt again for alternate, right? Yeah. It's a good prompt. Paying dividends. <laughs> well, what else we got to clear out? Do we have any a little bit? Oh, I have a little bit that's actually really important. Do 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 little bits. Daniel's little bits. Oh no, who died? No one. No one. Everyone's fine. <laughs> I went back and reread Reflections, my story with Barney first arriving with Garth, and I realized that in that story, Barney is like super like mad at everybody and he's really anti-alien mostly because he and garth are fighting and he thinks that amy's an alien because that's what everyone believes oh yeah i never made them make up over that yeah and the last time that barney and amy were in a story together they were super chummy and happy with each other yeah so i need to clear that up at some point seems like we need some story to bridge the gap we do and it was not a continuity error yeah that's it that was forgotten about (laughs) It was planned, and there's a mystery about. So I just wanted to say it out loud that I realized that, but also that I should write a story at some point to fill in that gap. We both saw Spider-Man, right? Yeah. Do we need to make that a uh, bonus episode? (laughs) Nah, not fresh enough on my mind. It was really good, Uh, though. Yeah. Oh, man, the soundtrack was amazing. The animation Mm -hmm. styles were amazing. Yeah. It sort of looked like uh, stop motion. Yeah. Sometimes. It's... 12 frames a second instead of 24 and they copy something like they copy those frames twice so it lingers a little longer but then different characters would be on different beats or something like that because there's one scene where peter and miles were on different beats of the motion Mm. and i was watching a thing about it it was really cool it's really interesting i want i want more animated big budget yeah superhero movies i did start watching okay ko and it's amazing it feels like it's almost like a double issue universe if it like had gone on for a couple more generations and like everybody has powers at some point so they're just amazing things like one guy has a coffee cup for a head and it's just like a thing a new show i need to watch and make sure daniel's not stealing everything from it (laughs) that's right watch out for small karate boys working at super bodegas but uh do you want to get into a story uh no okay sounds good play the credit music (laughs) we don't have credit music we can't use that joke we just play our theme song but in reverse oh yeah probably sounds good (laughs) all right yeah let's do your story all right Bandage on a Broken World by Daniel J. Poole 
Mechanical legs curled into the giant spider's body. Its steel construction groaned under its own weight. I went through the motions of my old life. I smiled to the cameras. I swept armfuls of people out of the wreckage. I even acted shocked when the junkers sprang from their mechanical monster still alive. They waved a doomsday device around and monologued about the futility of heroism. He lectured the crowds about the absurdity of hero worship. He wasn't wrong. Even with the light of my sun all around me, I felt cold. Even with hundreds gathered to watch, I felt alone. I was home, but it felt alien. I felt alien. Oh, we'll tremble and bow before the might and majesty that is the Junker. I am the most powerful force in the world, upcycling your doom. It is by my hand that I will reshape this planet into a green oasis of beauty. Even you, Amy Dangerous, are no match for my wondrous intellect. Yawning, I flicked a wave of force at the Junker. It rippled through the air and broke his hand. I slipped through the gravity well to catch the device midfall. Each moment passed in slow motion. To the world watching from their homes, I was a flash of light and a smile. For me, it seemed like hours passed. Taking time, I walked around the crowd, inspecting their terrified faces frozen in a moment I was separate from. I was living in a future past their present, but still stuck in their moment. It made me want to scream. How could they stand there, staring? What is wrong with them that they can't help themselves? Why are they so slow? I took several deep breaths, forcing myself to relax. I eased my consciousness back into their flow of time. It was like wading into an ice-cold stream. The slowness of the world was chilling, but exhilarating. The atoms around me began humming again. Then the flood of thoughts and feelings washed over me. All at once, I could hear the blood pumping through Junker's head. He was cursing me internally, but externally he only gulped. I remembered to brace myself before the crowd began to cheer. They were deafening audibly and mentally. Their cries felt hollow. If they were actually happy about the Junker's defeat, it was because it meant they could put off shouldering the burdens that created his ideology. The gathered crowds could rest easy now that they didn't have to face their own sins for another day. All my time away, and I was still a bandage on a broken world. Amy! Amy! Hey, Amy! The voice snapped me out of my haze. Paladin was shaking my shoulder. Her worried voice betrayed her formidable-looking armor. I started to say something, but she talked over me. Yeah, yeah, you're back. Awesome. Midas City is under attack. Wrath is finally making his move. I've apologized publicly since, but... I took off with enough force to throw most of the surrounding crowd off their feet and left an impact crater where I stood. The earth became a blur of colors as I lifted back into the sky, the early morning sun wheeling backward into early evening. My mind was racing, but blank. My body was reacting on instinct. Why was I in such a hurry? I couldn't... No, I wouldn't answer myself. I just flew. When the golden city glistened on the horizon, I came to a stop. The force clapped in the sky like thunder, rolling back the clouds. On the battlefield below me, Raph's army of cyber warriors created stripes of red shield walls stretching to the sea. Mechanical walkers, rolling fortresses, and a handful of kaiju packed the green hills like evil acne. Hovering above the walls of the city were a thousand golden centauri raptors. They looked like wingless angels in the setting sun. Standing between the armies was a hero I had never seen before. He wore a similarly golden uniform with an Aegis A shield emblazoned on the cape. His blonde hair thrown over his shoulders in flowing waves. He was yelling to wrath about truth and justice in a dramatic way. Every now and then he would flash a smile to I a drifted camera behind crew the, the battlefields. Cup hands was speaking through gritted teeth to Michonne. Why do we hesitate? We could destroy them. I could destroy them. Michonne shook his head. Please, using your power at this level could tear a hole in reality. This will work. Cuphand scoffed. He said, I don't need Gold Star to broker a peace with an animal like Wrath. He only understands violence. I could give it to him. So, Michonne said, You may be right, but a straightforward war could decimate my raptors. 
We wouldn't be able to police the city. You couldn't keep control without us. Don't be so sure, Cuphand said. Michonne wasn't listening to him. He was focused on Goldstar. The Centauri said, I don't know where Aegis dug this guy up. It's like he's from a different world. <laughs> he laughed. If Amy were here, she'd... Bet. Amy? He turned to me with his jaw hanging slack. When did you... How, how have you... I mean, I thought you were... When? I used my forefinger to close his mouth. Just like 30 minutes ago, I've been better. I'm really alive. I think your last question was a repeat. His lips pressed into a smile, traces of tears wetting the corner of his eyes. He said, We all thought you were dead or in a different dimension. I'm so glad to see you. I missed you. I gave him a wink. They missed me too. He smiled at that. I asked, Who's the stiff? A negotiator. Cup hands jumping into the conversation. Someone requested unnecessary help from Aegis to deal with this little diplomatic situation. Much like your help is unnecessary, Michonne said. That is Goldstar. He is some new hotshot at Aegis. I requested help in defending ourselves, but he's all they sent. The blonde hero threw his cape back in a flourish and shot his camera crew a smile. He was saying something about how cities are like big apples that you chew and crime is the worm that doesn't taste good when you chew. Wrath was nodding along like he was following, but his thousand-yard stare told a different story. Hey, Hornhead! Goldstar yelled. He thrust a hand into Wrath's chest. Are you listening to me? The bull demon's eyes crossed. His nostrils flared. One of his hooves dug a rut in the ground. Michonne rubbed his eyes and pinched his nose. He said, Amy, I can't say how happy I am to have you back. This time I rolled my eyes. I said, that's a new tune. Last time we talked, you sounded like you never wanted to see me again. He started to laugh but stopped. He took his golden eyes off the escalating diplomatic emergency. What? The last time we talked was on that... He glanced at cup hands and then back to me before continuing. Recon mission, he coughed. <clears throat> I haven't seen you since before artificial insurrection. Yeah, right. I think we're remembering that, er, recon differently. I said, the theoretically asking for a friend, how long ago was that? Michonne looked me over before answering. That was three years ago. It's 2018. Why? How long were you gone for? It's only been three years here, I thought. Wait, artificial what? He started to say something, but the familiar sound of a fist breaking a jaw snapped our attention forward. Raph's jaw hung slack. He roared and threw his own punch. The Minotaur's knuckles met Goldstar's nose, breaking it immediately. Blood washed down his white and gold uniform. He reared back and headbutted the bull. The strength of his hit put Wrath on his knees for a moment. The bull demon stood up, using his axe as a crutch and swung it wide. Goldstar cut the blade with his forearms. The blade inched toward his face before he snapped it in half with a roll of his arms. Well, hot dang, I said. He might have things under control. Wrath pointed at the camera crew. One of the rolling fortresses at his back aimed their cannons at the huddled journalists. Before Michonne finished cursing, I was plucking the shells out of the air. Blood thrummed in my ears as I soared back to the fortress. My heart pounded as I tossed the bombs back inside the artillery tubes. When I slowed back to normal speed, I watched confusion on Rath's face turn to anger as he realized what I had done. I smirked and threw myself into a punch. The shockwave knocked his troops off their feet. A mechanical walker took a knee to steady itself. Smoke and fire bellowed from the rolling fortress. I blew the bull demon a kiss and asked, Did you miss me? Wrath roared. He drew a pair of jagged swords and advanced on me. Warhorns blew as his army stood and began to run to the walls of Midas. The ground trembled as the rolling fortresses sped forward. A pair of kaiju broke free of their handlers, tearing at the ground on all fours. Mechanical walkers took flight with searing jump jets. Rage troopers echoed their leader's roar and began running for the city. Lasers scattered across the field like a murderous rave. 
I started to constrict the gravity as a wall in front of Midas to form a barrier, but something or someone wrestled them from me. A wave of force threw me into an oncoming army behind a screaming gold star. Power felt familiar, and yet Goldstar's fist connected with Raph, sending the bull demon hurtling into the air. Shaking off my confusion, I joined the fight. The nearest kaiju threw its front claws onto the city wall. Taking it by the tail, I swung it into a wide circle. Throwing it, it knocked into a platoon of troopers. Michonne and his warriors flew into the fray. The rest became a flurry of fighting. I don't recall the specifics, but the moon was high when the last raid trooper surrendered. They threw down their weapons. Their cracked armor crumbled off of them in heavy chunks. Michonne put a hand on my shoulder. He was smiling. A team of Centauri warriors handcuffed the troopers and whisked them into the air while he said, You are better than ever. I was afraid if you made it back that you'd be... Well, I thought maybe I'd be rusty, I supplied. Yeah, but obviously I was wrong. You were incredible. Can I buy you a drink? The banquet hall will be serving late tonight. I'm sure the rest of the Lost Boys would love to buy you a drink, too. I stopped to watch the Centauri soldiers celebrating. Some were dancing in the light of the street lamps above the rooftops. The music of the clubs soaking past the and celebrating in the streets. Reaching out, I could feel their relief to live another day. Their joy was genuine. Maybe I was just a bandage for their world, but they still needed me. Things could never be the way they were, but I was back. I was home. Finally. Sorry, Michonne. It's just that... You see, I... I need some space to sort myself out. I've missed a lot of time. I have to catch up. Also, we... Well, I... I spoke to someone I thought was you before I left. I... Well... It didn't go the way I thought it would. Then there was this whole... I had to leave, but I was mixed up about it. And he cut me off with a wave. You can figure it out later. We have all the time in the world. You get some rest. Sounds like you had a long trip. I smiled and nodded. He started to move his arms, so I began the motions for a hug, but he was just going to pat my shoulder, so I started to make for a side hug, but instead it became a handshake. He stepped back. Holding out a fist, he winked. We bumped fists. Lifting off the streets of Midas, I turned toward the west, and I sailed into the sky. The end. For now. And we're back. Whoa. So, there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. You did the sequel to my Void story. Yeah. I hit a road bump starting this story uh-huh. because I started it. I'd forgotten that in your Void story at the end, Amy mentions like doing some different adventures as soon as she gets back. Mm-hmm. So I picked up way too soon. Like she was still falling through the atmosphere. And then you were going to rewrite the events of <laughs> what I said right. happened. So instead... One of the things that you'd mentioned in your story was the mechanical spider fight. Yeah. So I jumped to that. Yeah. And you brought in Junker. 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 Yeah. That's how I kept reading it when I read it. <laughs> yeah. I thought it'd be fun to finally get him in there. Yeah. And you gave him like a... Like eco-terrorist. Like yeah. Yeah. An upcycler. <laughs> but yeah. And then when you got to probably the most in-depth description of amy's powers to date yeah i kept writing them and it's like that seems too much I says, yeah let's just keep going yeah it's something i might have written into mine if we knew the nature of her powers <laughs> <laughs> when i uh i wrote my story originally i was gonna say we've touched on a little bit here and there about what her powers are but then we've talked a little bit about how she kind of like she doesn't necessarily talk about her past as much it seems like to people mm-hmm. and exactly the extent of her powers so i like the idea that she's kind of really reserved about all that so you just feel feel all the molecules and like <laughs> go faster than time <laughs> i had the thought on that because I, I don't know if i got it across well enough but i was thinking like she can will herself to like experience time faster mm. so i don't know if it's necessarily um 
like if there's a flash in this world, I don't know if she'd be able to beat him in a foot race exactly, but like she'd be able to like go slow mo and think things out. Hmm. Yeah, and then we get to see Wrath invading Midas country. Yeah, which that army was pretty cool. I think you mentioned that in the under underworld story <laughs> not underground with wraith as i texted you yeah i can't spell daniel originally had wrath as wraith and then i said am i supposed to know who this wraith is i messaged him <laughs> and he went yeah it's from my what did you say under under underground story and i went underground story like what is happening <laughs> but it was supposed to be wrath from his yeah. underworld story i was i just felt like i had fallen into a different dimension that was just slightly <laughs> different. <laughs> In this universe, I made just slightly different choices on the naming of characters and story prompts. Yeah, but we yeah. see him invading. Though I don't know if he we're given really a reason why he's invading, but it just is. I've got ideas on that. Yeah. Um, I think, because I was thinking about this while writing it, that maybe, maybe Pride? I think it's like Lucifer. Which one was Greed? The, it's like the gold demon guy. The Greed Goblin? Yeah, the Greed Goblin. I think it's maybe he put the idea in Wrath's head that Midas would be like a hard fight. And Wrath is just like, just about challenges. Like, yeah, I can do that. I can take down this town. Hmm. And so I think he wanted to pillage the Golden City, but he just didn't want to do the footwork. Hmm. But it's not set in stone. That was just a thought. So It's set in gold. Set in gold. The city of gold. Soft, soft and, metal. And speaking of gold, we have a gold star. Gold star. We finally see gold star. And I have to mention here that the appearance of gold star is very different than I imagined in my head. <laughs> I just kind of like copy and pasted uh, Superman in my head and put a gold star on his chest or something. <laughs> Instead, he's got beautiful, flowing, blonde hair. I kind of stole from My Hero Academia and kind of thought of a a pseudo, uh, what's his name, Ultra? Yeah, Buff Alfalfa. Yeah. But just with, you know, like nice, thrown back, windswept hair. I imagine him now as Fabio. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. And then we get to the meat of the matter is that this story proves conclusively that Daniel is a Michonne apologist. I just had to get him in one more time. Not even that. He makes Michonne look like a real good guy here. Real upstanding citizen <laughs> that only ever wants to do good for people. At the supervillain city. Mm-hmm. Daniel took this opportunity to vilify cup hands even further. <laughs> and exalt Michonne. I can either confirm or deny these accusations. Michonne's a bad dude, whether you're willing to accept it or not. He is. Michonne's a bad dude. <laughs> As shown in the story that I introduced him in when he murdered people. Yeah, but I just feel like ever since you introduced him with all that murder, you went, you know, I really want to see him uh, succeed in everything he does. I, I think he has a good arc built in with his really terrible turncoatiness early on in his career and then and then since then he's just been a good tortured soul in a bad situation <laughs> well time will tell time will tell he did <laughs> he did he's dead he's very dead man i can't wait till we do a follow-up to that storyline mm. you better get to that robot first or i'm gonna make it the power of love is coming through my circuitry oh man the power love turned me good. I'm a good robot. <laughs> Michonne was never bad. I had it in my heart all along, and now that I'm cold and unfeeling, I can feel and be warm. <laughs> I'm a puppet with cut strings. <laughs> Your tears, they have transformed my metal body into flesh. Is that Backstreet Boys playing on your iPod? Oh, yeah. Um, I think the last thing I wanted to bring up is there was like a huddled journalist... Was that, oh, yeah. was that the journalist that was writing the story in the other ones? Yeah. About cup um, hands? Did we name the cup hands person? The cup hands journalist? I don't believe so. Yeah. Because then I've got a journalist on Reflections. I named a journalist in Amazing Richard. I named her Blanca, but I don't know if that person has ever come back again. <laughs> we should bring them back. 
but I, I, you just mentioned a journalist, and I just wondered if it was the same one. Oh, I was originally going to make it Janice Jones from My Reflection Story, but I cut out a big section with her, so a lot of her stuff got cut, so it could be anyone at this point. You mentioned if Amy had a race against a speedster. Oh, yeah. Do you think that would be a wacky race? <laughs> It'd be a very wacky race. I can't think of Snagglepuss's line now. I was about to come back with that. Oh, there we go. Exit stage left. Oh, I did have a note, because we talked about in Craft Corner about the things we take from what we're reading. Mm -hmm. I have been reading George R. R. Martin's The Thousand Worlds series, mm -hmm. and something I just love about the way he introduces his concepts and ideas is he just drops them in and gives them no explanation if it's not important to the story. Mm-hmm. So, like, in one book, he was like, the character had a screamer. The long barrel, like, pointed right at the guy's face. And I was like, what's a screamer? I know it's like a gun. And in a different story, they were like, the screamer melted the flesh off right off the bones of this person. I was like, oh, okay. But I read Plague Planet, and it was like that, too, where it was just, it would drop in details of things. It would just kind of leave the empty spaces for you. Do you mean Planet Plague? Planet Plague. Thank you. So... I borrowed that for whenever I was making up Raph's army. So, like, the walkers and the rolling fortresses and stuff like that. I was like, I'll just drop it in. It sounds good. Yeah, no, that sounded pretty good. I liked it. Yeah. But yeah. Do you want to do your story? Nah. Okay. Credit music. Ba -ba 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 -ba. Reuse that joke. All right, yeah. Seeds of Hyperion by Quentin A. Pongratz. Seventeen weeks ago, I fell into a mirror, and a being whose name has letters extending off into dimensions I still can't begin to comprehend told me a story. It was a story of birth and growth, of failure and impotence, of power and motivation unmatched by ability, of death and hope. In the story, the skies turned to lights, growing brighter and brighter. The ground turned to holes, growing deeper and deeper. The rocks spoke fire and the people spoke death. Then it was cut off, trapped in a vast darkness, trapped in a space of its own. A space without space or time or dimensionality or warmth, a vacuum, a void. What could it do? Nothing. It waited. It felt for a weakness and waited for a chance. Actually though, none of that is quite right. It's like how electrons are shown orbiting a nucleus. Or like how evolution is a tree that branches off into many directions. A complex concept simplified for a simple mind. All that it told me wasn't actually how it was. I only absorbed what could be mapped onto my mind. How could I see a fraction of what it wanted to convey to me? How do you explain integrals to an ant? Sixteen weeks ago, I woke up in a hospital. The tubes in my arm pumping a liquid into me. The beeps in the periphery and the chatter in the distance kept it from being too quiet. Why was I here? Was any of that other stuff real? I blinked and time passed. I surfed in and out of consciousness. I saw more visions. But I never saw anyone visiting me. I never saw any doctors checking on me. Was I even in a hospital? Fifteen weeks ago I felt smothered. It wasn't an intense smothering or an immediate suffocation. It was gradual. It was hot. Not the kind of hot you can get rid of with a breeze. A heat that took residence in my skin. A film over my entire body pressing the heat into me. The suffocating film spread over my skin and eventually reached my mouth. The oppressing heat pressed inside. The walls of my throat coated with its inescapable warmth. I wanted to cough. I wanted to retch. I wanted to do anything to stop the creeping of that slow choking as it reached into my airways and lungs and clung to the deepest parts of me. Every mucusy crevice became filled with it, trapped by it. But I couldn't cough or vomit, or even move to stop it. I was powerless. All I could do was feel the feeling wash over me, feel the outline of something cling to my own. I was trapped inside whatever it was with no way out. Fourteen weeks ago, I woke up in the air. I still had my eyes closed, but I could tell everything was different. No longer those beeps or the din of the background, but instead the sound of air rushing past me. Then, I opened my eyes and saw the city before me. I saw it getting closer and realized what was happening. My eyes went from open to wide. It would take a miracle to survive the fall. 
but still I tried spreading my body flat as I could against the falling wind, extending my arms and legs and trying to orient parallel to the ground. I guess I thought maybe I could slow myself just enough for that miracle to happen. And it did. The air stopped. I felt gravity negated and then turned back on again, then oscillate back and forth until it stopped altogether. I opened my eyes. I was looking down on the city, but no longer falling. I looked up at my arms. Vines wrapped around my wrist and extended to the sides of the buildings nearby. I looked down my body. Vines wrapped around my ankles too. Did I make them, or did it reach out and save me? Thirteen weeks ago I swung through the city on vines. I felt myself unshackled from the mortal experience in which I had been trapped. So much more freeing than jumping from rooftop to rooftop. This was true power. Power that didn't fade. Power without a time limit. I knew what all the rest of them felt like finally. Before I was just playing as superhero, but now, now I could finally be one. I started kicking around ideas in my head. Something with vines? Something ivy? What would I do for a costume? What were the limits of these vines? I had a lot of testing and research to do on the whole deal. Twelve weeks ago, I woke up underwater. I opened my eyes and saw the ceiling undulate and ripple before realizing I had fallen asleep in my tub. I had come there to get rid of the itching that seemed to have infected my whole body. I remembered the itching and I stayed beneath the water. I wasn't drowning, though I wasn't breathing water, either. It was more like I didn't need to breathe at all. It had to do with how my powers worked. I wouldn't really know the whole nature of them until later, but reality was overlapping. But I existed as both one of the tree race and a human. With my lungs overlapped with the tree lungs, I was able to endlessly cycle between oxygen and carbon dioxide. A nice little closed system. Eleven weeks ago, they named me the Green Knight. Turns out the itching was my skin trying to coexist with the new bark coming in. I got used to it after a while. I thought it looked like a set of wooden armor, so I went out and got a wooden helmet and a wooden sword. Nice little knight theme. I was hoping they would call me Sir Arbors, honestly. I even started a social media push for it, but the Green Knight won out. Ten weeks ago, I fought the Russian on Oak Street again. We ended up doing just as much damage to the street as last time, but I guess I looked the part now, because when Northwest Sentinel showed up, he shook my hand and thanked me. Nine weeks ago, it spoke to me. My avatar. I scratch at the fabric and you are the ripples my fingernail creates. I breathe and you are a fraction of the exhalate condensed. You are a skin cell falling from my scalp. The seeds you ate are a lightning rod for my power. I was weakened, nearly destroyed. My essence spread so thin across your universe. The only survivors, those away from home. You are to save them. You are to deliver them. You are to take them home. You have failed in everything you have set your hands so far in your short life. But now that I am with you, inside you, you will never fail again. I am in your heart, and all your actions will be an extension of my will. Make choices and do not be afraid. They will never be the wrong ones ever again. You are divine. You are chosen. You are mine. Eight weeks ago we met with Spruce. He didn't recognize me from before, what with my skin being covered in wood, but he did recognize me as the hero that had been making a name for himself. I told him I needed to get in touch with everyone. I was on a mission now. I had to gather all of the trees. I had a plan to be their shepherd, to take them to the Chosen Land. I don't know how I knew what I had to do. I just kind of followed what was in my heart and somewhere deep inside, I knew it couldn't mislead me. He didn't want to help at first, but then I put my hand forward and held open my palm. A flower sprouted from the cracks in the bark. It grew upward, leaves sprouting from the stem as the bud continued. Then, reaching an end point, the bud sprouted into deep red petals with a light at its center. The flower turned around to face Spruce, and his eyes lit up with that same light. He sniffed and nodded, my first disciple. Seven weeks ago, we gathered most of the treelings on Earth in one place. The ones that were heads of the gangs, the ones that ruled sections of the now-defunct distribution network, the elders we would need to convince, those that acted as heroes on this world and those that acted as villains. Though they stood on opposite ends of the room, as we couldn't have pesky things like morality getting in the way of the future of their entire race. Spruce gave a speech first. He attested to my vision. He argued for my place at the head of their table. He did his best, really. But words weren't enough for this. I had to do something to sway them all. I got up to the podium. 
The din of the crowd died down, slowly at first, but I waited it out until I had their complete attention. I pulled off my helmet. My face was a smoother wood than the bark that made up the rest of my armor. I put my hands to my face, fingertips resting on the openings, pointer at the eyes, middle fingers in the nostrils, pinky and ring in my mouth. Then with the thumb as the pivot point, I pulled. I ripped the wood from my face. It hurt. I didn't scream, but it was one of those situations that would have warranted one. The cracking of the wood splitting apart was almost deafening. I'm not sure if that was because of how close it was, or if it really was loud enough to be heard at the back of the crowd too. Splinters flew off in chaotic directions as I kept pulling. When I think back, I wonder how I knew this would work. How I knew that pulling my face apart would, one, be possible, and two, reveal my human face underneath. I stood there exposed before them. My wooden face, a mask parted. My actual face, a divinity exposed. Six weeks ago, we finalized the plans. We were going to build an ark. A ship to take us from this place and to the stars. To a new soil in which to put our roots. A place to let them flourish and grow and not be impeded by this crowded, filthy refuge they were forced to take. The plan would take some time to fully enact. But with everyone's help, we were sure to see the fruits of our plan come to pass soon. Five weeks ago, we gathered the materials. Four weeks ago, we started building. Three weeks ago, we were attacked. It was those damn conspiracy nuts again. This time, they didn't burn everything down. This time, we took care of them real good. Last time, I took pity on Eugene. This time, I bet Eugene wishes I hadn't. Two weeks ago, we regrouped. We recovered. They hurt us. They delayed us. But then, what is a delay in the face of eternity? One week ago, we reached completion. It didn't look like a spaceship to me, but what did I know of alien engineering? Besides, it felt right in my heart when I looked at whatever we built and knew that it was pleased. I had completed it. My purpose was fulfilled. Soon, I would be able to reap the rewards of my service. Soon, I would be happy. Now, if you go where the Lucky Car Wash was on 4th Street, you can't order the deluxe package. That place is torn down. If you go a few miles west of there and a mile south, you'll see a warehouse. The warehouse we built. I was sure it was a way off this planet. If you ask me for a genesis of that thought, I'm not sure I could give it to you, but I was so sure. So, so sure. I still don't know exactly what it is we built. I don't know its purpose. I just know that it pleases whatever gave me my purpose. And I know I was the last piece, slotted right in the middle. So that's where I went, right into the middle and, and surrendered. The outline that surrounded me subsumed me. That reality took over. Roots sprouted, dug through the concrete, connected with everything we built. I was a part of it now. This is where I'll stay for, oh, I don't know how long, eternity? That's what I was promised, at least. I can't complain, though, and I, and I don't mean that just literally. I can't complain because now I know I'm making a difference. I know I'm helping. I know I'm succeeding. I'm not a failure anymore. I'm, I'm not alone anymore. I'm not an outline waiting to be filled. I'm happy. The end. My scene is a woodland blade. In the center is a beautiful bubbling spring. Surrounded by three trees. There, there, and there. Oftentimes in the early morn, a pretty little rabbit would run through the woodland blaze to quench its pretty little thirst in the beautiful bubbling spring. Surrounded by the three trees. There, there, and there. One morning, while the pretty little rabbit was busily engaged sucking up the aqua from the beautiful bubbling spring, surrounded by the three trees, there, there, and there, a hunter, roaming through the woodland blades, espied the pretty little rabbit. But the pretty little rabbit Having its mouth filled with water, did not hear the approach of the hunter. And 
therefore went on drinking from the beautiful bubbling spring. Surrounded by the three trees. There, there, and there. The hunter raised his gun and fired, frightening the pretty little rabbit away from the beautiful bubbling spring, but leaving the free free there, there, and there. Yeah, we're back. Whoa. I think I said it made the same reaction sound. <laughs> so this is now a trilogy of yep. stories about, have we been calling this character Coloring Book? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> now the Green Knight. <laughs> yeah, failed hero man, villain. <laughs> it's not a failure now. Yeah, I guess not now. So this is the the first Actually, the character you first introduced in your very first story ever. Yeah. And then you said you did the math. You did them again, like, halfway through the year? Um, or was it a certain I don't know what months? episode. I don't think it lined up exactly on that one. But each each story is... I use a structure where I say 17 weeks ago, and that's how the story starts. Or very nearly. Because the first one was a little different. But uh, 17 times 3... I used 17 weeks in each story is the span of time it... Uh, covers and so 17 times 3 over the three stories i each did 17 is 51 weeks and that's nearly a year and we're i don't know what three or four shy right now of 51 weeks if not definitely not 51 episodes though (laughs) 51 number right but yeah that's pretty cool though yeah it kind of kind of matches up a new year a new hymn Mm -hmm. tabula rasa was 22 so it wasn't 17 weeks after issue one. Oh. Well, time's kind of fuzzy. Yeah. Or the way we're telling narrative is kind of fuzzy with time. Yeah, but uh, roughly covers a year in in world. That's really cool. So I read some of your notes, and I liked your use of the word treeple. I thought that was pretty great. It goes through this transformation of becoming a tree person, a treeple. Yeah. And it was uh, horrifying. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. It's I've come to expect it. Yeah. This is a I don't know. It's intersecting with like a cosmic element that we yeah. kind of have that is in doing the first story is not at all the direction I thought it would be going, but I didn't know what Hyperion seeds were at the time. Yeah. And then we layered them in with uh the we did the Tabula Rasa story like right or soon after we did Ian's world build where we fleshed out the Hyperion seeds. And so I incorporated it into the the person that uses Hyperion seeds. Yeah. And so it took a very different direction than I originally like writing writing on week one for the first episode. I, I thought maybe I would keep introducing this character occasionally and they'd be like Super Spectrum or something or Rainbow Ranger. I don't know, all the colors <laughs> at some point. And then it went in a very different direction. Yeah, because now he's this tree messiah. <laughs> this treesus, as you put it in your notes. Yeah. Which is a way different direction than I would have ever foreseen this character going. And it's just so cool to see that yeah, evolution no. over time. No, it's definitely... It also incorporates some things we've been talking about behind the scenes and different world builds and everything. And so it's fun to have this story develop... Like, it feels like this set of stories is a very only podcast possible thing. Yeah. I wonder if comic book writing itself is similar to this, since you have so many other projects going on at the same time in the same universe. Yeah, I don't know. I figured that's where a lot of just the wacky off-the-wall stuff comes from. Yeah. So, he becomes the savior, and he builds, or helps him build, like, a rocket ship made of trees yeah it's not actually a rocket ship oh it's like um, a device of some sort that's helping the tree god whatever <laughs> we want to call it all right yeah what are they planning next well, i don't know oh i'm scared but i don't know okay okay i don't, i think this guy's done oh i think this this is just a trilogy is he himself done done or he might show up again like is it like a side character? I think he he might be done. Oh. Turned into a tree. 
I guess there's a way you could probably get them out of there. I don't know. I, I'm I completed the arc for myself. So <laughs> if I have an idea later, maybe I'll pick them back up. Or if you have an idea, you can excavate them. I was just wondering if he was a talking tree, like Tree Reggie. No, I think he's just kind of like imprisoned there. Oh, did in bliss. <laughs> he got to Nirvana and became one with the tree. Okay. I do have a question. Is it okay for him to call someone a conspiracy nut? Yes. Okay. Do trees get offended about those kind of... Which trees? Like, like do tree people get upset with, like, when people are like... Oh, nut? Like, nut or, <laughs> like, fruit. Like, hey! No, um, I don't know. He, did, he didn't say it out loud, I guess. These are his, like, was... thoughts. So maybe they do get offended. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know of... if they would. Because that doesn't seem like a thing, but... Spruce just kind of sadly shakes his head, just, mm-mm. Yeah. It's not okay. Like, it'd be like someone call, calling someone an ingrown hair or something. Oh, uh, that's true. And then being offended because you have hairs. Yeah, I don't know. That might be something to explore in the future, if trees get offended about that. Oh, that reminds me. Is Thorn a tree person? Yeah, aren't they? I think so. I mean, I know they're a plant person. I just didn't know if it was the same species. Yeah, I believe so. I think so. we said that. I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was going to make mention of Thorn being at the meeting, and then I was like, ah, Thorn probably didn't go to the meeting. <laughs> Thorn's busy. Thorn doesn't keep in touch. Thorn's been too engrossed in, in normal mammal, mammalian society with the superhero stuff, and going to their schools. Being friends with an alien. Turn, turning their back on their roots, so to speak. Mm. <laughs> we do need to, at some point, tackle thorns origin yeah because there's that joke about bud dewberry but there was an actual person a tree person that passed on that like aegis beacon to to them yeah i think they were also called thorn maybe yeah and they were on aegis at some point or yeah. you know aegis backup or whatever it is but th they were a big person at some point and we haven't even uh talked about it yet yeah now that one got kind of buried berry that's bushes uh all right everyone see you next week Good night. I'm going to get accused of being way too into body horror again. No, it's good. Just keep, just lean into it. Rip off more faces in 2019, Quentin. Make this the year you become the monster and you rip off more faces. You rip off your face. That's going to be the first line on my next story. Do I have any recommendations? I know I do. This week, I wanted to recommend to you Robots Will Steal Your Job, But That's Okay by Federico Pistano. Seems right. I think, I think that's right. It's a book, but our good, good friend Ian R. Buck has been reading it as an audiobook over on the Nexus.tv. So you should go check it out. It sounds really interesting. Uh, the description here is Robots Will Steal Your Job, But That's Okay is an audiobook that explores the impact technological advances on our lives, what it means to be happy, and provide suggestions on how to avoid a systematic collapse. So Yeah. It sounds a whole lot like the comic book I got from you, Let Go. Oh yeah. Which once uh Ian catches up. <laughs> hey, we should all read Let Go and do yeah. a show about it. Ian <laughs> My recommendation for this week is Friends at the Table, an actual play podcast focused on critical world building. I don't know. They say something every time, and I almost got it. Is <laughs> an actual play podcast about critical world building, smart characterization, and fun interaction between good friends. It is real good. <laughs> it's a pretty good show. Oh, man. I've been waking my way through a season, like a mini season called Marielda, and that one's so good. If you want to start at the podcast, you can start at Marielda. Another good one to start out is Counterweight. Their first season is really good, but there's some audio. Yeah. Not so greatness, kind of like our podcast. But um, <laughs> <laughs> the audio quality isn't the best. I didn't have a problem with it, but I've heard other people do more so than I did. So if that bothers you, you can jump in in another place. Because each season... It's kind of its own thing, right? Between the first and second season, yes. But okay. they keep jumping back to their fantasy world and continuing on with that. Okay. But uh, the counterweight is like a sci-fi mech world, and it's real good. And Marielda nice. is like a fantasy game, but they're all like thieves doing heists. 
<laughs> it's also real good. Okay, we were really on topic for most of it, and there at the end we got off the train. <laughs> Luckily, I could just cut most of it out. Yeah. So go listen to Friends at the Table season Counterweight or Campaign Podcast season Skyjacks. Or Robots Will Steal Your Job, a book. Yeah, that one's yours. Yeah. I don't subscribe to that nonsense. Robot's never uh, going to take my job. Beep, boop, beep. Oh, no. Here he comes. What did you do this last week? Beep, boop, beep. Crazy weather. Superhero story generated. <laughs> One million of them. Season over. Oh. No. no. <laughs> They've taken our jobs for the next... I don't have that many fingers. Uh, 19,230 years. Damn you, robots. Stealing our jobs. But yeah. But, uh, we, hey, we done. our show art is by Lisa Prather. You should follow her on Instagram and her website, lisapratherart.com. Doubleissueshow at gmail.com is our email address. Send us in uh, questions, actually, so we could get ready for a Q&A session, hopefully, around the one-year mark. Yeah. And you should point out more discrepancies in stories that we haven't filled in yet. Or just don't. Write it on a note card, put it under a rug, and forget about it until you move. Write it on a note card, burn it safely, and just forget about it. Just let it go, like the smoke. Burn it near some oh. dry houses. No. Haiku's on my keyboard. Come here. You can find Haiku on Twitter at Double Ishy Show. You can find me at Quentin Pongratz. You can find Daniel at Guare. That's G-Y-W-A-I-R. You can find us on our website. We've got a WordPress. So you can come over to the Discord. We've had some conversations over there. Yeah. And uh, we'll we'll converse with you. That's right. Yeah. All right. And our next story prompt is going to be you. All right. See you next week. Bye. How does this safely stop the recording and not delete it? Does Fabio have any kids that can play him in the movie? Let's see. Ryan Gosling really identifies with Fabio's tragic pigeon. <laughs> Accident? Maybe. Let's see what this Incident. Yeah. Ryan Gosling really identifies with Fabio's tragic pigeon incident. It's from Vanity Fair. <laughs> Wait. On March 30th, 1999, it was reported that a goose hit Fabio when he was on Apollo's chariot roller coaster at Busch Gardens. Yeah, you didn't see that? No. Oh, oh, it's awful, though, because it was a 64-meter drop. Oh, yeah, no. Oh, okay, never mind, this sounds terrible. Here's a headline, Fabio killed a bird with his face. <laughs> I'm sure it was a terrible event at the time, especially for a model. But that's a great line. And something Gold Star would do. Yeah. Goldstar might do it on purpose. He might have done it in this fight. Just accidentally flew into one of the Michonne's men <laughs> and uh, killed the bird with his face. <laughs> I I still have time. I could go back and add that in.